This Noble podcast is powered by Cooper Parry, the rebels of accountancy. From audit, tax and R&D, to wealth management, corporate finance and tech and high growth, we smash the humdrum to smithereens. Our purpose is to simply disrupt, lead and make life count. And along the way, we help like-minded entrepreneurial businesses to thrive across the UK. Now let's get back to the infotainment. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the latest No Ball podcast powered by Cooper Parry. Today's topic was inspired by conversations and content Cooper Parry produced over the International Women's Day. We shared inspiring stories about women who truly disrupt, lead and make life count. But what surprised me was that we were still having conversations about glass ceilings, sticky floors, unconscious bias and equality of outcomes. And these were just a few of the conversation starters that were being thrown about. So this podcast aims to bring together some great leaders who understand these conversation starters and can explain what they mean. I mean, are they relevant or are they just platitudes kicked about whenever we start talking about the differences between men and women? Today, my co-host and I will be joined by Linda Marston-Weston, who is a tax partner at Cooper Perry, and Elisa Howe, who's an audit director at Cooper Perry. I'll let them introduce themselves shortly. As usual, I can't do this subject justice on my own. So I've enlisted a co-host who, over the last three years, has kept me on my toes and we've shared podcasts and articles about these topics. No matter our opinions, we both agree that there is no compromise regarding diversity and inclusion. I'd like to introduce Cooper Paris Chief Growth Officer and Partner, Abby Bowne. Go ahead, Abby. Tell us about yourself and why you're the best person to co-host today. Ooh, the best person to host. I'm not sure about that bit, but I can introduce myself for sure. Um, So, uh, yeah, as Steve said, so we've been working together for three years. I've been with Cooper Parry for three years now. um, And I was new to the financial services industry at that point. Previous to that, um, my background has been in technology and telecoms. So very different industry. Um, Some similarities, but lots of differences too. Um, My role here is uh, Chief Growth Officer. I actually joined Cooper Parry focusing on digital, looking at our digital ways of working, our digital culture for the future. Um, And over the last, well, halfway through lockdown, we realized that digital had become business as usual for the business. And so um, I was able to um, refocus uh, around growth because we're very ambitious as a business and we've got loads of great growth initiatives around the business. And my role is to kind of bring those together from a marketing and a business development perspective. Um, so that's kind of me, my role, a bit bit about my background. Um, over to the you guys. Um, Linda, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Abby. Thank you for that. Um, so I joined Cooper Parry uh, just over two months ago. Um, I'm the uh, transaction tax partner, so in the process of setting up building, growing a transaction tax practice here. Um, Unlike you, I have been stuck in the financial services, professional services industry for a very long time. So I have been at um, big four firms for 35 years prior to coming here. Um, And I'm a a big advocate, actually, of women in business. So that's one of my big passions. Um, One of the things that I did in my previous role uh, was to set up a female entrepreneurs network. And um, I remember talking to Steve about this. I mean, through lockdown, my female entrepreneurs network has been the inspiration, the thing that's kept me going, they are the most fantastic group of ladies and it's so brilliant to see women who are out there doing their stuff, building fantastic businesses and being really supportive to each other. That's fantastic. 
Thank you for that, Linda. And yeah, welcome to Kids Parrot. Thank you. Um, and over to you, Elise. Thank you. So uh, my name is Elisa and I'm an audit director at Cooper Parry. I joined uh, last year just before the lockdown uh, after 17 years at the Big Four. Um, and one of the things I've been involved in for a number of years uh, are various diversity and inclusion initiatives, um, both internally and in the wider West Midlands community through things like women in business and women in banking and finance. Um, because I've been really lucky um, to have a number of people who've supported me in my career and it's really important to me to be able to give that back in some sort of way. Brilliant, yeah. That's that's great to hear. The kind of giving back element of this, I think, is probably why we're all kind of having this discussion today, yeah, certainly yeah, for yeah, me personally. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's definitely been people that I can, men and women, through my career that have really helped. Um, but also, I feel as though if I had the opportunity to have those these kind of discussions maybe earlier in my career, that might have been a little less painful yes. and I'd have had a bit more help kind of overcoming some of the obstacles that I felt at the time I was probably having to the first mm. one to go through mm. but then you start yeah. talking to more people and you realize actually no matter what industry you're in and sometimes which background you've got um, there are some common definitely common, common themes, themes yeah. yeah the imposter syndrome bit Absolutely, imposter syndrome. Should we start there? That's that's a good one to start with. What do you think, Steve? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit outnumbered here, so I have to, I'm very aware that I have to be careful on what I say. Um, but yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I one of the things that we started this off with was glass ceilings and sticky floors. And depending on who I ask, depends on what answer I get. So I'd be really keen to know from you guys, what, what do you think uh, glass ceilings and sticky floor means? Is it relevant in the financial world? Mm. It's quite an interesting question, isn't it? Because when you ask that, I, had, I sat back and I thought, actually, do I know what the difference is between these two things? So, um, and, I, and I'm sure we'll all have different views like, like you found. But for me, um, so glass ceilings for me is around, I think, women being stuck in the sort of middle management role. So I see very often that women reach a certain point in their career and then and then you get stuck at that sort of so you're quite senior but you're not quite at the top and that's where you get stuck so that for me is the glass ceiling piece and I think that is very relevant in the professional services industry um, I don't think sticky floors are such an issue so sticky floors is more about you know women where they start out you know do, do, do women get stuck in sort of low paid um, menial more type roles and actually, what I see in professional services, certainly from my experience, is that at the intake at the sort of lower level is actually more, almost more women than men. So there's no, there's no barrier to women joining um, professional services firms. The barrier is when you want to try and get to the very top of it. Mm. The yeah. other thing I would say, and, and we, you know, we talk about um, glass ceiling sticky floors. I, I was reading something the other day and it was talking about glass cliffs. And actually that really resonated with me because the glass mm. cliff is about women who reach that position of leadership but they find that they're in a really precarious position because there's no support around them. Mm -hmm. And they're often put in those positions where the business is having a tricky time or you know, particularly, for example, through COVID, that, that happened quite a lot. And the, and the sense is that women are, are great in those situations because we're more empathetic. Right, and we're, yeah, <laughs> and then once you get past the crisis, the support's gone and you're not wanted anymore. So I, I think that's quite relevant too. Wow, I have not heard the glass cliff before. No, that's great. Go. That's good. Well, you know, I did a little bit of homework about this and a little bit of research. I think um, we spoke before about um, le uh, creating a wake. You know, so women leaders, when they are moving forward, that behind them, leadership, the leadership, create a weight behind you and pull in those women behind you. So I'm wondering if when you get to that glass cliff, if you've got those 
people coming in behind you more or maybe that will will help with that but yeah uh, I think it would help but I think the challenge is when you're there you're probably one of a very few that are there that's, and that's quite a, quite a lonely cold place to be is it lonely for women or just lo- lonely for leaders in in general when it gets to the top mm. that's I, a great question that is a really mm. good question yeah I mean I, I think in professional services you know the way that these firms work is there's a partnership and so often you find there are quite a lot that you know there'll be a lot of people at your level who are partners um, and they're predominantly men. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I guess that feeling of the, the cliff analogy kind of ma- makes me think of kind of feeling very exposed mm. and mm. That, that kind of element of them um, asking for help, being prepared to ask for help and that actually being a positive. And sometimes maybe women are better at that than men are in, so, in some, that's a massive generalisation, but in some... Um, in some industries or in some situations, I'm sure that's possibly the case. But if you are, if you're feeling as if you're holding a torch and, and kind of you're creating the wake for all these women, there's an element of responsibility that goes with that that actually can add to that imposter syndrome yeah, or the depression. or the exposure of, of yeah. standing on the edge of a glass yeah. cliff, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think for me, glass ceilings actually, almost by the very fact we have a term for it, creates a problem because effectively what we're saying is societal expectation is that you will be capped by something Mm -hmm. and therefore you change your expectations for yourself at a really early level because you know there's going to be this ceiling you've either got to break through on your own um, or you've got to accept you're not going to make it any further. I I really Mm. like that point that's that's something we've talked about quite a lot before isn't it so um, there's a there's an interesting discussion here about women whether we help ourselves or whether we're a friend or foe to ourselves. Yes I I think so often you know I, there's a, there's a lot of unconscious bias we, we know we talk about this quite a lot and and it's not just about the men who have unconscious bias i think the women have unconscious yes. bias themselves yes. too yeah. and often that will hold women back because they're brought up in this same environment where there's this expectation mm-hmm. around what what you know what you can and can't do yeah yeah That's, that is that is really interesting so i just remembered a, a some more research i was doing i i um i, I told you before i i embed myself in different platforms on women's groups and then just ask the question out live just to see what I got. Sounds really dodgy. I know, I know. So it's mostly on Clubhouse. Those of you who are on Clubhouse, I go on to, and I say, listen, I'm doing this. Can I ask this question? And uh, it creates great debate. But what you were saying there about um, setting standards for ourselves, what I thought was really interesting is I went on a women's leadership group and everybody in this group was um, CEO, founder, owner, entrepreneur, and I asked them, you know, what is the, the biggest issues concerning women in business right now? And um, the answers I got were, you know, exit strategy, raising funds, you know, all the kind of stuff that business people yes. at the top yeah. were wanting. But then when I went into the groups that were, um, like you said before, about middle management, senior management, not quite at the top yet, I asked them questions. Then they spoke about glass ceilings, sticky floors, unconscious bias, uh, opportunity, having a voice at the boardroom table, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, and I think, I wonder if that's what you're saying then about having that, ex- are we yeah. failing ourselves, setting yeah. expectations at that level? Mm. Um, I, I think women can be very critical. Of the, and I'm really generalising here, but, you know, I think, you know, women have a lot of strengths and, you know, often, you know, we, we perceive women to be more empathetic, they're more understanding, but actually on themselves, they are less empathetic and less understanding and very self-critical yeah. and often will 
I suppose, talk themselves out of something because of that the very nature of being so self-critical, I think. So I think we need mm. to be le- less hard on ourselves. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. We don't need to be perfect to, to reach the top. Nobody that gets the top is perfect. No. Um, you know, I, I think there, there needs to be an acceptance that being perfect isn't what's required. What's required is, is lots of other skills. And you know, we all make mistakes, you learn from mistakes. That doesn't stop you doing a role. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I think yeah. we, need to, we need to help ourselves as well yeah. as... I, I would agree. I mean, I've, um, this is the first time I've worked in a team where the majority of my t- teammates are women. And I know. So, but in my previous roles, um, it was very tough, manly, you know. But we don't ask for help. It's what you were saying before. We don't. Mm. We don't ask for help. We don't need help. We just do that. We just try and find solutions. And I'm thinking that if men are doing that, and women are joining organisations that were predominantly men at one point, and they see well, that's how they act, and they follow suit, then it is going to be poor. Because what I found working with majority women is, we can ask for help. The workload is shared. Is lot the, the empathy you were talking about? That you know, it isn't a weakness. It's a superpower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. Um, but at least I wanted to ask you. I mean, if, have you noticed a difference? You know, from where you were when you first came into the professional services mm-hmm. to where we are now. You know, are things changing? Um, I think things are changing. I think there's a better awareness today than there was back then. Where I think you just had to forge your own path uh, and hope for the best. Um, so I think we talk about these things a lot more. Is it changing fast enough though? No, I don't think it is. I mean, I think I, um, I came into the profession 20 years ago now and um, we were beyond the sort of 80s businesswoman where you had to behave like a man if you were actually... Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had those pads, big shoulder pads. Yeah. <laughs> so that had gone away. But there was, still, there was still certainly a difference. There was almost a, uh, a pro forma person that would make it to partner. Um, so I think that is changing. I think it's much more accessible to be true to who you are, but I think still that varies a lot firm to firm. Yeah, it's really, really interesting you see that because I don't think I was even aware of these questions until I probably hit about 30. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that on the drive-in today mm-hmm. and um, it, it sounds like a weird thing to say now, but I, I think I'd always grown up thinking... And believing that I could do anything, I could be anything, that's how I was brought up. And mm-hmm. you can do everything, in fact. Um, yeah. and, and so I wasn't conscious of any limitations, I don't think, any glass ceilings or any sticky floors, until probably I kind of hit about 30 and hit, I don't know whether that was a seniority I got to, and at the time that was in the technology telecoms industry, mm-hmm. so different to financial services. Um, but there were very few women around because uh, technology and telecoms is quite predominantly men. But I kind of didn't notice that until about that age. Then I looked up and realised there were very few examples, very few role models. I couldn't see any example of somebody that I could think, hey, that's how I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's someone that uh, can have a successful career, can be in a two-career relationship and have kids. Mm-hmm. And that's How quite telling, that? isn't it? And, yeah. You know, if you don't have a role model and there's some, not someone that you can look at and think, there's someone who's doing it, that means I can do it, it's actually really difficult. It is, yeah. it is. But when that's almost, that almost became a surprise. Mm. And, and so I don't think I was kind of even conscious until yeah. that point. Mm. And then you start to become more conscious of it. Mm. 
Um, but then my worry is that things like the example you use, Steve, of almost the groups talking about it, if you talk about it too much, I also think you kind of tell yourself that story mm. and you get held back by that story sometimes. Yeah. And rather than finding the solution and just plowing through anyway and almost that mm. ignorance mm. is bliss, just keep going, yeah. Yeah. Um, you'll find a way and you'll forge your own path. You start almost finding all the problems and all the challenges and all the barriers. So it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Absolutely. In the end. Yeah. And yeah. so you become your own glass ceiling yeah. on your own sticky floor. Yeah. I do think yeah. that's really relevant, though, mm. that, that women themselves will can hold themselves back, not yeah. not ne- not knowingly. Mm. I don't think this is necessarily knowingly. Yeah. I think unwittingly, because we are as conditioned as everybody else around you mm. know what our expectations should or shouldn't be. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, so and and, and we've, we've talked again. This brings us back to things like the unconscious bias um, mm. training. You know, how do you how do you teach people or get them to understand? Because I think if you don't understand this stuff, it's never going to change. No. You know, how do you get people to understand that they probably do things every day that they have no idea is is creating unconscious mm. bias? They don't yeah. realise they're doing it. No one does this intentionally. Yeah. There'll, there'll definitely be people listening to this podcast and we um, who don't know what unconscious bias is. We've mentioned it a couple of times on this, and I know we were going to talk about it a little later, but let's let's talk about it now. I mean, do we uh, do we think unconscious bias plays a role? And if we do, I mean, what is it, and what examples have we got? So I think it definitely plays a role, um, and I think I, I agree with what you were just saying, Abby, about the fact that if we talk about it almost too much, we create a different problem. But I think if we don't talk about it at all, then we're not going to address the unconscious bias. So effectively, if we've got a room of white men looking at the next uh, promotion that they're going to make, um, there's a comfort factor and a familiarity that comes from people who look and sound and behave just the same way that you do. Um, So to remove that, you have to be aware of the unconscious bias. Um, But I think also, back to something we were talking about before, um, with your groups of women founders, Um, who are very focused on business issues, there's a bit of this where it's incumbent on those of us who make it to the top to help the people below us, to bring them through, so they don't have to fight the same battles, have the same thoughts, because over time that's then what becomes the fact that our children don't ever have to make a choice, don't think that there is an issue, and we can stop talking about glass ceilings altogether. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And the, I don't know whether any of you guys have probably sat through unconscious bias training. Yeah. We have indeed. And yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you will have done with your backgrounds, but I certainly have in corporate world. And um, those uh, uncomfortable uh, mm-hmm. training sessions, um, mm-hmm. I was the only female in an unconscious bias training. And that's interesting in itself. Um, board <laughs> session uh, yeah. or, or leadership mm-hmm. team session um, at a previous employer. And just the types of conversations it created were really uncomfortable, yeah. being the only female in, yeah. that, in that room. Yeah. Um, but I, I also believe we've got to talk about it, we've got to kind of address it, even if we don't know what we're saying, the fact we're talking about it and the fact that we don't always agree, and you and, mm. you and I, Steve, are a great <laughs> example of that, um, we don't always agree on these topics, but if we don't talk about them, and if we don't share opinions and get different views, this isn't just about gender diversity, this is about diversity and inclusion of experience, of background, of thought, of, of profession, yeah. and we need all of that diversity to make a really rich environment for ourselves and for our, and the people coming mm. kind of behind us or after us, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
yeah. to really make the most out of it and and most importantly to achieve the best business success we yes, all know exactly. that all the stats and all the data say that a diverse um, and a, a diverse a leadership team and a diverse uh, workforce if you like I can't think of a better word for that diverse business uh, just makes better business decisions mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah no I would agree with that and, I mean it is interesting having done the unconscious bias training which I have done several times mm-hmm. you do see people have real light bulb moments of yeah. things they just did not that in a million years did not think would cause offence or was being, mm-hmm. you know, that they were they were being unfair to different groups of people. They just didn't realise until someone points it out to them, and then they're horrified yeah. that they've actually done that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't doesn't stop them doing it again because it's such it's such an ingrained behaviour. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but and some of that is generational, I think. Uh, as yes. Well. Yeah. And I agree. Uh, yeah, and that shouldn't mean that we shouldn't call it out. But I do also think. Let's be realistic. There's a generational mm. element to this. I remember a, um, a guy saying to me in an unconscious bias training session, um, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but I didn't expect what you just said to come out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and I, what do I do with that feedback? <laughs> the generational thing is interesting. Yeah, and the generational thing is interesting, isn't it? Because my daughter always says to me, you know, well, we, we don't think like this. We, you know, our generation think differently. I think everybody's equal. We all think we can have what we want, do what mm. we want. But interesting with what you were saying earlier about your experience where you didn't experience any of this until you reached a reasonably mm. senior mm. position and got to 30. And I do wonder mm. whether for where the children of today, mean? they might end up in the same... I mean, at the moment, they think that, that there's no barriers, nothing's going to stop me, I can achieve anything. Mm. But maybe when they get there, they'll find... Yeah. If we haven't done something to change mm. things by then, they find themselves in the same place you did. Well, let's, let's hope yeah. it happens in their 40s or 50s. We've moved we yeah, move well, on. Yeah, move the yeah. barrier yeah, up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, move on. Yeah. I, was, uh, I know people can't see me, but I was smiling a second ago when you said, I've done... Um, uh, the training uh, lots of times and I was just thinking why did you keep failing it yeah. <laughs> I mean, so you had, you had to keep unconscious bias training because you kept failing no sorry um, but it does it does I like um, so that does bring us on to um, a quality of outcomes and a quality of opportunity now um, I liked what you were saying Abby about you, um, you you felt that you could take on the world and there was nothing holding you back until you started seeing things when you were 30 and I think in the west we're blessed with um, a quality of opportunity. There's no one holding us mm. back. You know, mm-hmm. schools, university, most parents are saying to their kids, you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. And we're, we're pushing for people to do that, which is what I really, really love. I think one of the problems that we, we might have is a quality of outcome. If we, should, if we say it's 50-50, uh, you know, across the, across the line. I mean, I don't think it, we, we're at, there's lots of women out there saying we want 50-50 members on the board. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone say I want 50-50 across the board to be a bricklayer. You know, we're not, it's, it's not the, the same. But then again, there's nothing stopping women going off and being bricklayers. It's like there's not stopping men being a nurse. But there is a 99% female nurses, 99% female bricklayers. So in our industry, which is what we're focusing on, the financial industries, mm-hmm. what I, depending on what research you read, women are outperforming men at school, university, and getting recruited into financial services. And that's because of the choices they're making, and I think that's fantastic. But is that the reality, though, uh, in the industry, in the financial world? Is it 50-50 all the way to the top? And if it's not, why not? This is the one industry we can have a quality of outcome. Mm, That's a difficult one, Steve. I do, though, wonder whether 
I don't know. I'd frame the question slightly differently because um, that feels like a very kind of you're winning. It's a game. It's a, there's an end point. There's a um, you know you're you're going to win at this game of business or you're going to win at this game of life, and that's that's not necessarily I think the way we should think about diversity and inclusion because for me it feels a bit more like we should be. Um, having more of an impact and bettering what we do, which is a continual, it's a continuum, it's a, it's a, a continual challenge and a continual um, opportunity to have, uh, you know, we talk at Cooper Parry about making life count. Well, yeah. What does making life count, what does that actually mean? It's not about winning a game, or it's not for me, it might be, today might be uh, getting to the top of that, and then it might be getting to the top of that, but it's more of a journey, if you like. And, and I think we should think about diversity and inclusion in that way, not that the outcome is 50-50 or the outcome is getting um, this percentage of people through this level of seniority in a business, but more about actually as all enjoying the process and, and creating something better by doing it together. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So it doesn't really matter whether you're male or female, whether you're from the north, whether you're from the south. You know, so it's what all... colour your skin is, what your background is, what your educational background is. Um, it sounds kind of maybe a little bit cheesy, but that kind of infinite game of life and of business and bettering things, I don't think we should think of necessarily in the point of input, output. Um, game one, number one in this, leader in that, because I think there's kind of a bigger impact that I think certainly as you mature through your um, through your years as well you kind of start thinking about well actually how can I actually have more of an impact and give back more or have more of an impact on society or the environment or the next generation and and that feels a little bit more motivational than 50% of the board is now women. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I I would agree with that. In that, I don't think the target. It, it's not about achieving fifty fifty, no. but it is about achieving a quality of outcomes. In that, if somebody wants to have that career, wants mm-hmm. to become a partner, talking about professional services, yeah. Yeah. then they're not held back from that, or there aren't barriers there that are stopping them to get there. So that it's about giving people the chance if they want to have that chance. To do what they want to do, yeah. having a true choice. Yeah, I mean, one interesting point on on some of this stuff is that you know we we're women talking about this. Mm. There's a lot of women talking about this. Yeah, I, I my view is we will never change things if we don't get men talking about this and believing that this is something that that needs to change or something that they want to try to help to change. Mm. And I think that means the story is exactly your point. So the story needs to be more about this is good for everybody and this is about benefiting everybody. Yeah. This isn't about benefiting women. That That's not what we're yeah. talking about here. Yeah. What we're talking about here is building a business that's better for everybody. Yeah, or a world And, and the men benefit yeah. as well as the women. So that, so I, I, And I think we need to do something to get the men on that on the page and on that journey alongside us and understanding that this isn't about women it's about making business more rounded more diverse mm, better yeah. more successful how yeah. do we do that well <laughs> that's the 60 million dollar question isn't it mm. i agree i think i totally agree i mean i i truly believe that men and women are two sides of the same uh, coin 
and we should be looking at our outcomes, our legacy. What do we leave to the world? Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I don't know. I mean, is it just about conversation? Is it we do more of this? You know, do we? You know, do we have Maybe more we conversation? We do this next time with some men in the room having part of the, being mm-hmm. part of the conversation yeah. rather than than the, the women talking about it. Because you know, yeah. I think if we don't get engagement from the senior men when we're not going to change things or we will eventually but it will take a very long time yeah. goes back to the point that lisa was talking about how long this takes and yeah. the change is not happening as quickly as we want it to do mm. so therefore it can't just be the women fighting for this it it's needs be to be women and men working together because that's what we're trying to achieve is that we're working together yeah yeah no i i, I agree i um I see, though, a lot of examples of men talking about the topic now, um, but talking about it because they think they should, rather Mm. than it genuinely feels like something that's going to have a big impact Mm. on the future of their Mm. business or the future of the impact that they Mm. can have on the world. Um, And so I think the last thing we need is lip service or or kind Mm. of... um, yeah, certainly in, in a number of um, larger businesses, you see that quite on a regular basis. Yeah. And every year on International Women's Day, yeah. they all do a lovely post yeah. about yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. about yeah, women exactly. and equality and how important it is to them. Mm. And we've I mean, got, got to raise the bar we on have the got expectation the bar. there. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because one of the things that I think makes a big difference is sponsorship. Yeah. Mm, Mentoring and sponsorship, and you know, we may come on to talk about this more generally anyway, but... Um, I mean, I you know one thing that you you know you could do is we could we could uh, charge some of the you know the men in the senior positions with sponsoring some of yeah. the female talent because I mm. I've done a lot of mentoring and sponsoring of female talent because mm. it comes back to that point about giving back and trying to pull people along, but I'm still another woman helping another woman. So is there a way that we can get some of the mm. the, the senior men to be doing the sponsoring and the mentoring of the women? Yeah. And maybe as they work more closely with them, they'll, you know, that they might have a, an epiphany moment. Or if we have all the senior people sponsoring someone who is not like them. Yeah, exactly. So it so doesn't, have, doesn't to have to be women. like yeah. all women. This can just be about mm. deliberately going mm. out of your way to yeah. help and mentor someone who is not like you, because that's going to mm. help your thought process too in terms of expanding the way you yeah. think about it. And it's really interesting because yeah. with you know sponsorship mentoring, the the mentor often learns as much yeah. as the mentee so yeah. I, I, I sort of think there might be a little bit of an idea here so if you could, you know if you could yeah. do that you know yeah. you spon- sponsor or mentor somebody who's different to you yeah, yeah. I, I think that could be quite interesting yeah I, I, I really like that idea I also think kind of ideally as well doing it across organizations and outside yeah. Yes. of yeah. you know getting that yeah. then yeah. different thinking different background different industry yeah. um, that I find really exciting and inspiring because yes. you can really then uh, benefit from different thought, like you say, on both sides as a mentor or as a mentee. Yeah, I know because obviously I was going to ask you guys um, how do we fix all of this, and I think we've we've come up with a couple of solutions mm. there. You know? I, I, that, that's that's an off the cuff thought. Actually. I know. <laughs> I definitely think that um, yeah, more, I agree with you. More conversation, getting men involved, absolutely. Mm. I really liked what you were saying there about you know why are we doing this you know are we doing it for points yeah how often do we see on linkedin um and, and i'm going to say this in, in the wrong way but you know a female leader paraded out on social media as aren't we fantastic because they've just won this award um somebody we know um i, I won't mention their name just in case but they won an, they won an award for um being an amazing uh, female leader for a company that was promoted globally and all the article was written about was about them being female. 
yeah. in that industry. But I knew this person, all right? And she's terrifying in business. She's a go-getter. She's <laughs> not, not your, you know, your, I don't know, the, the, the old phrase would be ball breaker, making it 80s power yeah. suit. No, no she, was, she knew what she wanted. She went out and got it. And it wasn't because she was a woman. No. She was a great leader. Yes. Yeah. So I would like to get rid of that as well. But I, I don't know. Do we have to go too far one way to be able to bring it back into the centre? Sometimes, I think. Um, I think sometimes you do have to go, um, you almost have to over-dramatise something to have an impact uh, to them for it to find its level. Um, and I think that's okay as long as we know we're doing that for the right reasons. Um, it, though, I think it comes back to something you were saying at the beginning, Lisa, about almost... Um, it's touching on the imposter syndrome but also mm -hmm. the vulnerability that yeah. links into that and, and mm. being um, almost being willing to share yeah. that um, and the power that that can have um, and the almost I don't think we should over dramatize that because that's actually really vulnerable and yeah. actually very personal mm. Mm. Yeah. and that's not about awards and about um, uh, about showcasing a, a, a female leader just because she's female but not because she's an awesome leader um, I think there's more though we should be talking about and being honest and open about in that kind of softer side of vulnerability for men as much as for women and yeah. you're a massive advocate as that as well Steve right the impact yeah. and, and power of, of vulnerability for men and the fact that that's really needed mm. yeah, yeah absolutely but I mean I one of the things that I I'm a massive fan of is not going tit for tat. So when a woman says mm -hmm. women suffer this issue, then men following up, well, yeah, but men are suffering this issue. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that helps anybody. No. I mm. would rather a level playing field where we're all trying to solve each other's problems mm. uh, by coming together. Mm. So yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and that it is back to that point of we're all in this together, and it's about building something that is good for everybody. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So we're all agreed. We need um, a level playing field where we're all talking the same language. We need to get more people talking. And then hopefully in 10 years time, 20 years time, we're not talking about this anymore. I hope wow. so. Uh, something like the stats say 150 years, don't they? they? Do. Unless oh, we do yeah. something different. Yeah, it's years. really frightening okay. how long it's going to take if we go at the same pace we have been going to actually get to equality which yeah. is really frightening. That is, is terrifying. And so we need to actually do something more and something different. We're just not really sure what that is, but maybe by talking about it, we'll work out what those are, those more dramatic steps yeah. might be to really kind of push it forward at pace. Yeah. Well, I think getting you, know, getting you three uh, in the room is a great start. I'm hoping that this, this podcast has gone some way to bringing that 150 <laughs> down to at least 150. 45 um, so, so, so that'll be cool but um, part of our themes for the podcast is we always like to um, get you guys to do a 30 second um, elevator pitch if we we're in America lift pitch um, and I thought about how we could get you to um, be say something inspiring in 30 seconds and I was thinking if you had uh, an intern coming into the business now and I was going to ask a fem about it being a female intern, but I'm just wondering, I wonder if we just say an intern. Mm -hmm. What can you say to, to an intern to in inspire them so that we can bring that 150 years down a, a little bit more? So, um, Elisa, shall we go to you first? What would your pitch sure. be? Um, so I think what I would say is um, the choice is yours. So choose your own path and be true to you. So what you want is the most important thing. 
So don't be dictated to by societal expectation or by what you see around you. Make a choice about the things that make you happy and that can change every day if you want it to. But if you're being true to what you want and what your purpose is and your value, then the business will support you to get there. Wow. Fantastic. I'm not going that. next. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Abby, did you have something? Not now. No. <laughs> I think, I think we'll go with that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Linda, you don't want to follow that up? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I did think a little bit about it. And I, and I would have said, I was going to say three things. So one is be yourself. So mm. probably not worth elaborating because Elise has done that, done that perfectly. Um, another piece for me would be about don't be too hard on yourself. So this point I was talking about earlier, you don't need to be perfect. Um, so perfection isn't what you need to be a, to be a leader. Um, so so just, just, you know, don't do that. Um, and I suppose that the other thing for me was something around building your network. So build yourself a network of like-minded people. I, I think that's what I would do. So seek out other people who are like-minded, build yourself a network, get yourself a mentor and a sponsor. That's probably my top tip. That is great advice. That is so good because if, you, if you've got a network, so many diverse thoughts and processes, mm. you're learning. Yeah, so have people it. around you that are, that are thinking the same. Fantastic. And uh, so... That's a wrap. I think we've got enough there. I think we've uh, we've given lots, and, I, and I'm so proud to be part of this. So thank you very much for for joining us. Um, Abby, did you want to wrap up with anything before we say goodbye? Ooh, um, something profound and oh, thought-provoking. Yes. Thanks, Steve. Um, so I, I've really enjoyed that, and and as we've touched on a couple of times through this, I think having conversations and calling it out and having a debate. Is, is as more as as important as, as anything here um, I guess I was just reflecting on on your guys elevator pitches there and the one thing I'd add um, and that's try things experiment mm -hmm. have a go learn because yeah. that learn and grow which is what we're all doing by having these types of conversations is super important but whether you're male female whatever your background whatever your future um, just keep experimenting keep learning and keep growing which is why I love these podcasts and, and having these kinds of debates. Fantastic. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. And um, we'll hopefully see you on uh, future webinars and webcasts. Thank you. <laughs> Not if we see you coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a wrap. Um, I think it's been a great debate. I think we probably could have done this podcast three or four times over. Um, but if you are interested um, about what Cooper Parry are doing about diversity and inclusion, then please visit our website and see what we do. You can also check out uh, the profiles of our guests today and see what they're all about as well. Feel free to drop us a line. Um, drop them a line. I'm sure they, they wouldn't mind. Thank you very much. <laughs>